Hello there. This is Jim Mosley, your host on the Bible History Guy radio broadcast, sponsored by Winterwood Creative. We're dedicated to turning doubt into Christian faith through facts. So if you have questions about God or the Bible that you would like answered, you can reach me through our website, www.thebiblehistoryguy.com. Or you can email me directly at jim at thebiblehistoryguy.com. That's jim at thebiblehistoryguy.com. Well, it's the Christmas season, and we're going to see a lot of beautiful cards showing the wise men gathered around the manger where Jesus was born, offering gifts, and the shepherds and the angels there at the same time. But that's really not how it came to pass. Jesus was not born in the year 1 in our AD BC calendar. He was actually born in the year 2 BC, so theoretically two years before his birth. And he wasn't born in December. He was born in mid-June. Which makes sense because the weather was right for the shepherds to be out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And the shepherds and the wise men didn't adore Jesus together. The shepherds were there at his birth and six months later, when he was no longer sleeping in a manger but living in a house, the wise men visited him in Bethlehem. The early church fathers consistently placed the birth of Jesus between 3 to 2 BC. This was correct. The faulty thesis that Jesus was born in 4 BC arose because of an erroneous dating of the death of Herod the Great. Finding the right date of Herod's death is obviously important because Herod tried to kill Jesus, so he had to die after Jesus was born. Well, if, as many people think, he died in 4 BC, then Jesus would have been born in 4 BC or even earlier. Who cares, I hear you ask? Well, it's important because if Jesus was born in 5 or 4 BC, that makes a train wreck of the chronology of all the following gospel narratives and calls the reliability of the Bible into question. But whenever we call the Bible into question, we discover upon careful study that the Bible is the perfect, flawless, inerrant word of God. And we're going to show that with respect to Jesus' birth. Now, for centuries, people have placed the death of Herod in 4 BC based on the writing of a certain Josephus, who was a Jewish historian living at the time of the fall of Jerusalem in the first century, AD 70. Josephus wrote that when Herod the Great died, Herod Philip II became king, and Philip died in the 20th year of Tiberius, which was AD 34, after ruling 37 years. So, sorry, I hate doing math in public, but AD 34 minus 37 years equals 4 BC because in the AD BC system there is no year zero. And so Philip became Tetrarch in 4 BC and Herod must have died in 4 BC. That's been the prevailing argument for centuries. It is, however, wrong. In all the extant manuscripts of Josephus' histories prior to the year AD 1544, the manuscripts say that Philip died in the 22nd year of Tiberius, which would be AD 36. Well, in 16th century Europe, a new and valuable invention arose, the printing press. And with it came another new phenomenon, the printer's error. A printer's error after 1544 made the text of Josephus read the 20th year of Tiberius. Since all the pre-AD 1544 manuscripts say the 22nd year of Tiberius, they are nearer to the source and they're more reliable. The year 86 minus 37 years of Herod's reign is 1 BC. 
Therefore, Philip's reign began in 1 BC and Herod died in 1 BC and Jesus must have been born in 1 BC or before, not 4 BC or 5 BC. Now, Josephus also recorded that Herod the Great died after a lunar eclipse and before Passover. In what year did these phenomena occur? Well, they only occurred in 1 BC. A total lunar eclipse was visible in Jerusalem the night of the 9th to the 10th of January, 1 BC. And in 1 BC, Passover occurred on Wednesday, March 17th. So Herod not only died in 1 BC, he died between January 10th and March 16th of that year. And we can refine the date even better. Josephus wrote that Herod was agonizingly sick in his declining days. Don't picture an imperious, vigorous Herod lording it over Jerusalem and the Magi as we so often see him in Christmas pageants. No, his overweight, listless body stank of disease and bad breath. His physicians tried many cures, like taking him to Kailiroe, where he could bathe in the waters near the Dead Sea. But when he realized he was dying, Herod summoned all the Jewish leaders and arrested them. He ordered them executed on his death so that there would be mourning in Israel, not rejoicing upon his passing. He knew how much his subjects hated him. Then he sent for and received permission from Caesar Augustus to execute his son, Antipater, who had poisoned Herod's brother, Pheroras. He carried out the execution and died five days later. For Herod to make a trip to Calarroe, try a cure, acknowledge its failure, must have taken at least a week. To have summoned all the Jewish leaders and have them placed under arrest must have taken about a week. To send to Rome for permission to execute Antipater and receive the answer back from the busy Augustus must have taken at least a month. The execution of Antipater might have taken one day only, and five days later, Herod died. And then came Passover. All these events equal at least 50 days. So 50 days after the eclipse of January 10th is Monday, March 1st, 1 BC. Herod died very close to this date. The Bible says in Matthew 2 that Magi from the East saw the star of Jesus' birth. The Magi, from which we derive our word magic, were a caste among the Medes, or the people who are called the Kurds today. The Magi were known for their wisdom and love of science, which in those days meant the study of natural phenomena, especially the stars. As wise men in Persia, they were almost certainly well acquainted with the book of one of the most famous denizens of Persia, the prophet Daniel. The tomb of Daniel is still an object of worship and pilgrimage in Iran today. Since Daniel was a Jew, but also the second most powerful man in Nebuchadnezzar's government and the third most powerful man in Babylon under the Persian government of Cyrus the Great, the Magi would have respected him. Since Daniel's prophecies were astonishingly accurate during his lifetime, the Magi would have been deeply curious about the fulfillment of his prophecies of the future, which focused on the Jews and the coming of Messiah the Prince, Daniel 9. Daniel prophesied that 490 years after the issuance of a decree to rebuild Jerusalem, which the Persian king Artaxerxes I did indeed issue in the year 444 BC, that 490 years from that decree, Messiah the prince would be cut off and have nothing. Well, the 490th year was AD 33, which turned out to be the year of the cross. So there were only 34 years from 2 BC when the Magi observed the star, until AD 33, the end of the 490 years. So everyone knew when the Magi reached Jerusalem that the Messiah was either already born and would be more than 34 years old when he was cut off, or he was about to be born. And there was another prophecy 
Genesis 49.10 said, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs comes. The religious leaders had long taught that he to whom it belongs, Shiloh, meant the Messiah. Well, Herod the Great had taken the scepter from Judah, from Antigonus, the last Hasmonean king. And by 2 BC, Herod was old and sick, and the Messiah had not yet come. The prophetic window was closing. If Messiah the Prince didn't come now, the validity of all the Hebrew prophets would be in doubt. Now, was the star of Bethlehem that Matthew described a fable made up by him? No, it was an actual set of celestial phenomena. And using Starry Night Pro astronomy software, we can recreate all the events that the Magi saw from their standpoint in Babylon and later on in Jerusalem. If you want to see this, you can go to my website, www.thebiblehistoryguy.com. Click on Resources and click on the Bethlehem star. You'll see the video there. The star of Bethlehem had eight characteristics. It was a sign of birth. It was the sign of a king. It was connected to the Jews. It rose in the east. It appeared at a specific time. It endured over time. It was ahead of the Magi as they traveled south from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, and it stopped over Bethlehem. Now, a meteor, a comet, or a supernova couldn't fulfill all these conditions. The ancients called planets wandering stars because they seemed to behave erratically. While other stars observed fixed trajectories across the night sky, planets appeared to wander throughout the starry field, sometimes even going backwards. It's like a car which is really going forward on a highway, appearing to go backward when your car passes it at greater speed. In the same way, when the Earth travels on its orbit, faster than a planet traveling on its orbit alongside the Earth, the other planet seems to fall behind or go backward. This is planetary retrograde motion. So between September of 3 BC and May of 2 BC, Jupiter, the king of planets, viewed from Babylon, made three conjunctions with Regulus, the star that the Romans called Rex and the Persians called Sharu, the king. Jupiter approached Regulus and conjoined with it in the night sky, creating a bright light. This was unusual, but not unique, because Jupiter conjoins with Regulus about every 12 years. But this time, after passing Regulus, Jupiter turned around, entered retrograde motion, and conjoined with Regulus again. Then it turned around again and repeated the performance a third time. Three crossings of the king planet and the king star with three brilliant flashes in the night sky were startling and unique. All this activity happened against the backdrop of the constellation Leo the lion. Since Jacob called Judah a lion and said the scepter would not pass from Judah until Messiah came, this celestial activity connected royalty, the king planet and the king star, with Judah the lion. To the Magi, this must have looked very like the birth of a new and triple-crowned king of the Jews. Was Jesus triple-crowned? Yes. Like Melchizedek, Jesus was both king and priest, two crowns. But unlike anyone else, he was Messiah the Prince, the Savior, the ultimate crown. Then came a conjunction of Jupiter and Venus on June 17, 2 BC, and that was probably the birth star, the star of Bethlehem. The conjunction was so close that without a modern telescope, the two planets looked like a single star. Since we know that the average time of human gestation is 277 days, 
counting 277 days backwards from the date of this Jupiter-Venus conjunction, gives us a date of September 13th, 3 BC, which coincidentally was the date of the first conjunction of Jupiter and Regulus, and which was probably the first phase of the Star of Bethlehem phenomena that Matthew described. That was probably the date of Jesus' conception. Saturday, September 13th, 3 BC. Later that year, in late November or early December, the Magi reached Jerusalem and met King Herod, who sent them on a mission to Bethlehem to identify the King of the Jews. On December 2nd, 2 BC, Jupiter entered retrograde motion and continued in this state until December 25th. This made Jupiter appear to stand still over Bethlehem. Since Bethlehem is only five miles south of Jerusalem, the Magi didn't need a star to show them how to get there. But seeing the star resting there caused them to rejoice exceedingly with great joy. So, since Herod died in 1 BC, there's no reason to dispute the early church's assertion that Jesus was born in 2 BC, and that Herod tried to kill him by slaughtering the innocents of Bethlehem in late 2 BC or early 1 BC. The date of Jesus' birth that best fits with all the chronological markers in the Gospels is Wednesday, June 17th, 2 BC. The date of December 25th is associated with Jesus' advent because the adoration of the Magi occurred on December 23rd, 2 BC, which in the Julian calendar, then used by the Romans, was December 25th. And that's why December 25th is our date for giving gifts and for Christmas. You've been listening to Jim Mosley, your host on the Bible History Guy radio broadcast, sponsored by Winterwood Creative. The material you've just heard came from my latest book, The Biographies of Jesus' Apostles. This book makes a great Christmas gift, and we have a limited-time special offer for you. That's 50% off the cover price, or the Amazon Kindle version of the book for only $2.99. But hurry, because this is a limited-time offer. Just go to our website, thebiblehistoryguy.com, click on New Books, and if you want the paperback, click on the paperback link and input the coupon code SAVE50. That's S-A-V-E-5-0. SAVE50 for 50% off the paperback price. If you want the Amazon Kindle for $2.99, click on that link and it will take you right to the Kindle page. If you enjoy the book, leave a positive review. And if you want to contact me directly, my email is jim at thebiblehistoryguy.com. That's Jim at TheBibleHistoryGuy.com.